Hi, my name is Luigi, and you are listening to our company podcast called Make It Matter. I wanted to start a series within this podcast called Meet the Mentors. I think there's a lot to learn from other people's experiences, and there are key leaders within the organization that come uh, with really interesting perspectives that I thought were worth sharing. The first person we're going to talk to is named Adam Reynolds. He is the EVP at the company. Um, he was always very much interested in what digital media management was uh, before he came on board. Um, I, I always saw a curiosity within him for the things that we were not only doing, but that were possible within this organization. And he's proved himself to be someone who's taken that curiosity and has helped grow it into what it is. He comes to us from Australia and has a really interesting background in sales and HR, which again, you will see have lent themselves to really helping to grow a, a, a chunk of our business. Um, we also get into his thoughts about social and the digital landscape. He oversees a, a really important part of our company and has a really unique perspective. And I'm excited for you to hear what he has to say. Why don't you start out by telling us about your career? Um, okay, so I was born and raised in Australia. And when I when I finished high school, I sort of didn't go the usual route of going to university and getting a degree. I went straight into the workforce. Um, my very first job was in a call center for a car rental company. Hmm. And it was inbound sales. So essentially, people would call trying to get prices for car rentals in various locations across Australia. And um, it was my job to sell them those cars, as well as upsell them into different uh, sort of insurance packages. So that was sort of my first sort of career job, you know, within within the world. And it was really interesting because it was a sales focused job and um, there were sort of KPIs and goals that we sort of had to achieve each day in terms of sales conversions and number of sort of, I guess, a level of revenue we needed to sort of hit with our sales. And it was a really interesting first job for me because it really taught me the importance of selling and upselling and the different sort of skills that are required to do that. The really interesting thing was I went into the call center and there'd been people in the call center that had been working there for like five years, 10 years. And after about three to six months, I quickly became the top selling uh, agent in the call center. <laughs> so much so that a lot of people that were in the call center actually started to complain about me and saying something must be rigged. Adam must be getting all the calls, like going straight through to his phone. Like mm. there's no way that he can be achieving these sales. And I think for me, I was just a hungry 18 year old, um, you know, and just sort of always had that drive to sell and achieve sales and hit goals. So I did that for a couple of years and then I actually got transferred to their in-person sales counter. So at one of the airports at Sydney, Sydney Airport, um, when people actually came to the counter, it was also my job to sell them face-to-face -face, uh, car rentals and then upsell them into various different insurance packages. And then I quickly became, once again, like the top selling agent there. Um, so at an early age, I really sort of understood that I had a gift when it came to 
sales and growth. And it was something that always motivated me. I loved achieving goals. I loved overachieving goals and I love the financial rewards that would always come with that. So is that is that what would drive you is just that like achieving the goals of, of sales of sales goals, I guess? Yeah, something that I've, I've found throughout my career is one of my sort of intrinsic motivators and, and things that just drive me as an individual is growth. Um, for whatever company I'm working for um, or whatever team I'm working with or whatever I'm selling, growth and, and achieving sales has always been a big motivator for me. Um, then after that, you know, I got bored of the car rental industry. I'm like, I want to do something new. I want to do something different. And I became a recruiter. At what, what age were you here? Uh, like 22, 23. Okay. Um, and I went, I, I joined one of um, Sydney's biggest recruitment companies. I think I was the youngest recruiter they'd ever hired and they put me through this training program. And uh, a lot of people think that recruitment is, you know, interviewing candidates and placing them in the right positions, but it's pretty much a, a sales role as well. I was out on the road going to various different companies, uh, knocking on their doors, meeting with them in person to convince them to use us as a recruitment company for their various recruitment needs. And then obviously, you know, uh, interviewing people and, and placing them in the right jobs as well. So I did that for, I think about six years in Australia. And I sort of moved up from a recruiter to an account manager and um, experienced a lot of success there as well. Um, they assigned me to various high sort of accounts within the organization that were really important that I'd sort of serve, had to service. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think at around about the age of 26, 27, I turned around and said, you know, I've been working for seemingly like eight years or so, so far. I feel like I haven't had a really big break. I've saved a lot of money. I feel like I've experienced a lot of success. Um, I have a lot of vacation leave owing to me. And I said, why don't I just take a break from my career for a minute and sort of try and rediscover who I am and what motivates me and just sort of have a bit of a passion break. So I said, you know, what did I love doing when I was a kid? And what I loved doing was, was acting. I said, okay, so why don't I just take a month off work, do some acting classes and just reconnect with myself then come back to work. And then I started doing some research and I was like, you know, why do an acting class in Sydney when I can potentially go overseas and do it somewhere else in a completely new country, different experiences. So I applied to an acting school in New York, um, Lee Strasberg, and I got accepted there. Um, so it was, a f it was supposed to be a three-month uh, acting sort of course and I was supposed to come over here go back there um, and just sort of have a break um, at the end of the three months I was like you know what this is actually quite fun I really enjoy it I'm reconnecting with myself I'm just gonna call my boss up and I'm just gonna be like hey I'm gonna extend for another three months and so that's what I did and then I got to a six month I'm like mm, I really like it here I might extend it a little bit longer and I called my boss up I'm like listen I'm going to extend again. I don't know if this is going to be a sort of a continued pattern. And they sort of always thought that there was a slight chance that I might not come back. And then I just ended up extending and I said, you know, if I continue my, my schoolwork here in acting class, I can, I can get a, a student visa, which will enable me to stay in the US for much longer. And that's what I did. I, I studied in New York for about two years. Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles with the hopes of becoming an actor. Quickly realized that that was not the life for me. Going to these auditions where there are hundreds of people. I am someone that I would say somewhat motivated by money, but I, I sort of definitely need to be financially secure to be comfortable in my life and knew that that was not a path that was going to get me there anytime soon. So uh, I sort of left acting behind 
and decided, you know, to sort of explore new opportunities. And, and at the time, I didn't have a work visa. So I said, you know, what could I be doing myself to sort of start generating revenue for myself? And I created an online health and fitness blog, which is fit, health and fitness has always been something I've been passionate about, um, called The Healthy Boy. And I started writing articles about health and fitness. Um, I started doing advertising on the site, selling advertising, selling sponsorships. And it quickly became uh, like a revenue generating job for me. Uh, you know, I would sort of SEO my articles in a way that they would get a lot of eyeballs. Uh, I wrote a really popular article, which was, you know, what's really in a McDonald's chicken nugget. And if you ever Googled McDonald's chicken nugget, my my article was number two on Google underneath McDonald's.com, wow. which I'm sure they weren't happy with. <clears throat> Not there anymore because I don't, you know, work on the site. But that was something that I did for about a year or two and experienced some success with that. But, you know, it didn't create too much revenue where I, it could sustain itself. But I quickly learned online and the world of online and how to sort of leverage social as social was becoming more and more popular, how to leverage social to drive to the website. And then I, you know, got my work visa. I went and worked for an online music portal um, where I sort of did their marketing and label relations for them for about a year, I think. And I think most people know the story, but, you know, obviously you and I, Luigi, have known each other personally for, you know, a few years at this point. And when you sort of started the company, I remember I was ex super excited to hear what you were doing and because it's certainly related to what I'd been doing for the last couple of years in terms of online and digital. And I remember I came to you at one point and I said, you know, I think there's an opportunity to do this for music because that's what, at the time I was working for mm -hmm. that music um, website. And a lot of the DJs would come to me and say, hey, we don't really sort of know what we're doing digitally. And so you and I talked about it for a while. Um, and I think at one point you reached out to me and said, you know, we've been talking about music. I don't think there's an opportunity for us there, but I need someone to sort of come and help me out with the talent side of things. Um, and so that's where it all started. I think it was you, me, and uh, one other uh, girl, Laura, um, for a, a moment in time when we first started up in Sunset, in that tiny little room. Um, then Laura left. I think it was just you and I for a while. Um, and then we started to sort of slowly grow. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to sort of point out some of the things that you had excelled at or mattered to you uh, before you joined the company and and how they've applied. Because um, I think Ashley actually asked a question about this in the crew. Um, you know, what 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 how have your previous job experiences affected your current job? Um, you know. I actually just learned a little bit from from that myself. It seems like you have always been motivated by growth. You have a, a skill set in recruiting. Mm -hmm. I often say that I think you're like the you're 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 the secondary HR person we have here. Um, you have an understanding of the entertainment industry because at one point you wanted to become an actor and therefore you kind of have to immerse yourself in that world. And you then started to create content online at a time where blogs were the content form. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to see all of those things together and how they've affected how we've built this company, really. Mm -hmm. Was that intentional 
or was do you kind of look back on that and go wow I, I didn't realize all of these elements sort of fit into this here or did you kind of go no all of these elements fit in here and that's why I want to do this um, I think the the one element that was certainly intentional for me was the the growth I think no matter where I landed or whatever I was doing, there was always that element of growth and expansion that always motivated me, whether it was my personal blog, whether it was doing sales back in Sydney. Um, so when I came here, I'm like, okay, so what's next? How do we get that next studio? And then sort of as the movies team expanded, I'm like, okay, great. How do we get into TV? How do we get into streaming? So for me, I've always known that sales was and growth was gonna be a really important factor here. If I didn't have that, if if we were the same agency we were five years ago, I don't know whether I would be as motivated as what I am now. Um, so growth and sales has always been something that I knew was part, was going to be part of this job for me. So let's kind of talk about your your history with the company. You kind of went into it a little bit here already, but what what about what was happening? Because I remember you approaching me and and being very. Uh, interested in what was going on. You would constantly ask me questions about how it's going and, and whatnot. What about it piqued your interest? I think, you know, certainly when I was working at the music uh, website, social was becoming more and more important. And I don't even think they had social channels at the time. So part of my role was setting up those social channels and finding ways to grow those organically, which I think at the time was the only way you could possibly grow them anyway. And uh, I, I experienced some success there, but at that time, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to actually grow something in a way that you know um, we, we know how to do it now. And so when I knew that you were sort of doing that same sort of social and digital management for, for talent, uh, I knew that that was something that instantly interested me. I remember when I was working on the music website, I and this, the DJs would come to us and they would want sort of opportunities for, for coverage and, and we weren't really giving them any opportunities. I went to the, the company's owner and said, hey, why don't we start selling this as advertising space on the website? We start charging the DJs for it. And they were like, yeah, I don't really want to. I'm like, I think it's an opportunity for additional revenue. We did it. It was super successful. Um, so I think for me, I think maybe we even at one point talked about a sales role. Mm -hmm. before we even talked about the talent role. So I think mm. you were looking for an ad salesperson at the time. Mm. So we, we also talked about that. So I think that also piqued my interest. But then I think the immediate need came from sort of like just general sort of talent social management. Mm -hmm. And and then so, so I guess talk to the world about how you went from there to where we are today. I mean, you're, you're executive vice president, you're a partner in the firm. Um, how have you witnessed this company and your role grow? It's interesting. I think from day one, I just always knew that there was such a huge opportunity for this company. Um, seeing the really great work we did with talent and then seeing the, the movie studios recognize that work and want to work with us, I knew that there was something here. At the time when movies started coming in, I was doing movies, but I was also working with talent. And then when we would hire people, we would hire people to do the same. Uh, and then movies gradually became more and more, uh, more and more work came in from the studios. So we started to segment out the uh, movies team. And I remember that was a really exciting time for me, sort of having like, a dedicated person working on a movie. Mm -hmm. So for me, having that 
dedicated uh, resource employee here and then having sec two dedicated resources employees and then sort of seeing the team grow that's where i start getting like really excited like that's where that's where my motivation my intrinsic motivation sort of comes from so for me it's been very very rewarding seeing us grow from um you know two people up in a little sort of studio-ish up on sunset to you know wilshire and now here and you know creating this entertainment brands division which i think has like about 60 or 70 people in there now it's been something that you know still motivates me to this day the team has changed and evolved over time i remember uh, when we used to hire managers we used to hire people who could not only manage uh, the social strategy and the platforms but would also do the social creative as well mm-hmm. so we used to look for people who had that um, photoshop experience um, and then we started seeing what our competitors were doing and who were successful in the industry and they had separate sort of creative teams and so we're like hey so we need to cre- we need to have a creative team so that's when we hired matt and when we hired matt as our first creative that's when we started to see even more work come in because our creative was starting to also get recognition as well so you may you may have just touched on some of these but what have been some of your proudest milestones here it could be you know a a a a fork in the road where our company kind of started to expand on in into different areas or it could be a campaign what what uh what would you say are some of your your best moments um i think some of the best moments have been the ones that have really moved the needle for us and the team so i think I look back on certain campaigns that move the needle and more recently I think as a company I look I look towards more of the relationships like the AOR deals that we have with certain uh, studios and, and clients which are very rewarding and has helped sort of spur more growth in the company makes me slightly more nervous about things there's a certain risk there once you start to develop those relationships that you need to maintain those relationships um but they're the things that I look back on and really appreciate from a milestone perspective. What do you think have been some of the biggest challenges that you have faced or we have faced? I think the biggest challenge we have faced and the challenge we're going to continue to face is people, people management. Um, you know, as an organization, you know, we strive to be as great as we can be and, and creating an environment for, for everybody here that's nurturing, that's supportive, um, and that's rewarding from you know success point of view, but also financially as well. But as we continue to grow, you know, I think that's something that, you know, is just gonna continue to be more and more challenging. And I think that the issues that we have that we had on day one with our first employee versus the issues that we have now with 120 employees are pretty much always the same. They don't really go away. Um, and we can sort of do certain, do certain things that mediate that, like hiring HR, putting certain processes and policies in place. But I think for me, that biggest challenge has always been how do we keep everybody happy and content and provide them with an, uh, opportunities uh, within the company um, that are rewarding and supportive. Um, and I think that's just gonna continue to be the biggest challenge for us as a company. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you have made and learned from? Um, I, I haven't had too many huge mistakes, thankfully. 
You're perfect. <laughs> I've had I've had many small mistakes along the way. Mm. You know, one of the things I look back on when we were a smaller company and I look back on my management style back then and I cringe. And I think, oh, the way I handled that situation, the way I worked with that employee was awful. And I think at the time that was the reason for that was because we were a much smaller organization and you know, if an employee would make a mistake or, or you know, do something wrong, I would think that the sky was falling. You know, I would be, I would worry that, you know, we're going to lose that client, we're going to lose a business, the company's going to fault. <laughs> and so I think, you know, my management style would would reflect that fear mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I look back at some of our earlier employees who came and went, and the way that I sort of worked with them and the way that I handled them coming and going was not great. Um, and so for me now, that's something that I've certainly learned from what, you know, I now I don't take things personally anymore. Um, you know, when employees come and go, I've learned to be supportive of that for the most part, for most employees, I would say. And I've also learned not to sweat the small stuff, stuff that I would sweat that would never eventuate, that would cause me a lot of internal anxiety or fear. Um, and then would sort of externalize itself in my behavior. I've I've learned over time, you know, not to not to sweat that. Is it because you? It was it your addiction to growth that caused that fear? Absolutely. Yeah, I think addiction to growth, but also just, you know, even if, even at that time, I would just worry that if we lost one client, um, that the company. Wouldn't, the fear wasn't necessarily from growing, but the fear would certainly be of maintaining. Mm-hmm. I would worry that the company would, you know, get a bad reputation or studios would stop working with us. And then everything we'd worked so hard to build would fall apart. You know, as you know, we have a wall here that says make it matter. Mm-hmm. Um, what matters to you in a good team member or employee? You know, I, I, I think that, I mean, there are so many different factors of, of, you know, what comes from a successful employee and what I look for from an employee to make sure that I'm supported. One is, you know, just doing the best that they can be. And, um, and there's so many facets to that, obviously, what makes a successful manager and what drives, you know, to be a, the best that they can be. Um, but I think... I also want to make sure that people are happy um, and, you know, people find happiness in many different ways. And it goes back to my point about how people are our biggest challenge as an organization because it's hard to figure out what makes people happy. But, you know, as a leader of the company, there I'm getting pulled in so many different directions. It's very, very hard for me to sort of keep an eye on everybody in the team as we've grown to make sure they're happy. So I think for me, I want to make sure that people are in control of their own happiness and that if they're not, they come to me to have a conversation about it. Um, I always say, you know, I, I really want transparency within the team about their career and what they want to achieve. Um, and I want that to be an open and honest conversation. The thing that I really want to avoid is, is someone who's been with us for a while coming to me and saying, hey, give me my two weeks notice, I'm out of here. I would always prefer that to be a conversation like, I'm not happy here for whatever reason, this is whatever reason, and hopefully I can work with them to rectify that. Or if I can't, and if that solution isn't available here within the company, hopefully I can work with them 
to find it outside of the company. It's, it's interesting because people sort of say, you know, like your work colleagues are your second family. And it's very, very true. And I always want to make sure that, you know, our relationships continue even after they've left uh, the company. So I, I, I want to make sure that everyone in the team is, is, you know, looking after their happiness. And if they're not achieving it for whatever reason, having sort of open and honest conversations with me to see if there's something that I could potentially help with. I want to shift gears a little bit to the industry that we are a part of, the entertainment slash digital world. Um, Lauren actually asked, you know, how have you seen it change over the years? But then I would also add, like, where do you see the industry going? So I think, you know, over the years, and it's one of the things I've noticed is, and it's no surprise to anyone, that organic social is just decreasing. Um, And that we are finding that now clients are spending more time, energy, and revenue in paid campaigns. So as opposed to like five or six years ago when the the division sort of started out, um, everything that we were doing was very focused on organic. I would say like 100%, 90% of of what we were doing were focused on organic. A couple of years ago, it started to shift where it was like 80% organic, 20% paid. Now uh, it's around about 50-50, I think. And I think it's going to continue to sort of go down that path where organic decreases and paid uh, increases, which, you know, is a, is a certain risk for us as an organization because there are paid media organizations out there that specialize in paid and have hundreds of employees. And that's something that we don't necessarily have at that scale. Um, but, you know, we certainly still see the need for clients to come to an agency like us to sort of help put that paid strategy together from a higher level content perspective um, and help create um, that content. So that's one thing that I've noticed change. I think it's going to continue to change. Uh, another thing is we have seen that from about four, three or four years ago, movie studios would prefer to work with one vendor on a social campaign. Now we're seeing that they like to disseminate that a little bit more between different vendors. So even in an organic campaign, studios may now have two or three different agencies working within the organic. They may sort of segment out creative uh, versus community management <clears throat> versus let's say social video with a little bit more sort of uh, extensive uh, social video work so um, that's something that we've we've noticed it's it's proven to be challenging for us it's proven to be beneficial for us as well um, whereas a studio may have gone to another vendor to do everything they're now coming to us to at least do the community management side of things or to do the creative um, so that's something that we've seen change particularly in the last 12 months or so all right my last question is what do you wish people knew i think again i started this this conversation out by saying i think it's all about perspective i think it's you know oftentimes you and i both know that i don't i don't think the entire organization understands the work that goes into uh, what we do every day to keep them happy, to keep them, you know, uh, to, to have benefits, to have all of these other things. Um, so I oftentimes think like, oh, I wish they knew certain things. What, what do you wish people knew? I think one of the things 
a and 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 some people realize this more than others but when i and you know i agree with you there are so many sort of other logistical things within a company that keep those wheels turning that most people that reporting to us don't have an understanding of so that aside um i think that you know some people I, i would love them to sort of know what it takes to you know, be a leader in this organization on a day-to-day basis because um, it's challenging. Um, you know, I think one of the quotes that always has resonated with me to an extent um, was one from Steve Jobs where he sort of said, if you want to make people happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. And there's sort of sort of an element to that because, and, you know, as a leader, you do want to make sure that sort of people are happy. Um, but from a business perspective, sometimes they're sort of contradictory things. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of communicate that to, to people. Um, and I think what I always want them to know is like, we will always do everything in our power to provide you with what you're looking for. Um, but it's not always going to be 100% for you because we have so many other factors that need to be involved in that. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I... You know, sometimes people might turn around and say, well, you know, I don't know why Adam reacted that way or I don't know why Adam said no to this. Um, and I just sort of, you know, want people to know that it's never because we don't want to give people something because we just don't want to give it to them. There's always these underlying factors and, and issues and layers that are forming our decisions. Great. Well, I just want to say thank you again for bringing your passion to this company. I, I've, I've actually even myself learned some things today that I, I didn't know and, and, and it all, you're starting to make a lot more sense to me uh, <laughs> in terms of what, what you've used to sort of drive this business. I do think, and I've said this before, that you are an amazing model for a partner. Um, you know, everyone around here wants to understand how can I exceed? How can I grow? How can I, how can I climb that ladder? And I think that you are the, the guidebook for them. You never complain. You're motivated by growth. You're motivated by how people feel here. And you know that the rewards are coming. You don't expect them today. Uh, you, you've never expected them I- in the immediate. And I think you've been extremely patient. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that you were curious enough to want to join the team and join the company. And uh, I couldn't have done it without you. Thanks. It's, I, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity that you presented to me to be able to come and join this company. Who would have thought seven, eight years ago that we would be here now we have 150 employees now and for me i'm i'm consistently pinching myself it's hard when you're here on a day-to-day basis because we're sort of keeping the wheels turning it's sometimes hard to sort of take a step back and breathe it all in and appreciate what we've achieved but we and when i say we i mean the whole company um have achieved so much and um i think that we're going to continue to achieve more based upon my addiction to growth. I hope <laughs> that we will continue to grow um, and continue to expand and be an even bigger and better agency with more opportunities for everybody across the board. So yeah, thank you for thank you for having me and talking to me. I want to thank Adam for joining. 
as well as thank him for all that he's done for digital media management. Um, I often say that he is the model partner um, that others should should look after and he should write a book about how to be a great partner um, because he's just been a, a very, very solid presence here. Please continue to listen and subscribe where podcasts are available and have a nice day.